Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Both people, when they hear the word discipline, think of punishment. They think of it bad. But I want you to see that in the Bible how the God uses the word discipline. And I would encourage you to write this down because it's going to help you to understand when you see that word in the scripture, what it really means. It has this whole gamut. It starts with discipline means to teach. It means to instruct. It means to correct. It means to warn. And yes, it does mean to punish. What does discipline mean and how should we as Christ followers apply it in our lives? Today, Pastor Mark will show listeners the value of discipline, both in the physical life and the spiritual life. Without discipline, people are free to do whatever the body desires. We know from scripture and experience that this never ends well. A disciplined Christian is a devoted, humble Christian who desires to be used by the Lord in whatever way he wants. Are you lacking discipline in your life today? God is ready to use those who are willing to submit themselves to his calling. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Ephesians as he begins part 10 in his series, Unlimited Opportunities. Deuteronomy chapter 8, almost real close to the front of the Old Testament. The word remember is found in the Bible more than 250 times. When you see a word used that often, that means there's some great principles with it. I want to give you a principle to write down, you know, on that, on that piece of paper that you've never used before? I want you to write these words, if you will, all of our campuses. Remember not to forget. Remember not to forget. As we go through the teaching, I'll give you many times to add something to this. But remember not to forget. It almost sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Remember not to forget. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, I want you to remember not to forget. Go ahead, just shout at him this morning, would you? Mark Batterson, Mark Batterson in a book called Soul Print, which is a great book, he says this, without memory, we would have to relearn everything every day. How many remember that you've driven a a car that was a stick shift? Let Let me see your hand. Praise God. If you got one today, you've probably been 10 years since you've been in one, you think it would come back to you? Yeah, it would come back to you. But what if, for the very first time, 
you had a stick shift and you drove it, and the next day you didn't remember nothing and you got in the car, what would it look like? Oh, your dad's neck would break just like it was the very first day you tried to drive that guy. See, I'm glad we don't have to learn it all over again every single day. But his next statement is interesting. Without memory, we'd forget who we are and where we've been. The one I want you to think about, you don't need to write it. It goes along with our teaching today. Without memory, we lose faith because we'd forget the faithfulness of God. The reason God uses memory and remember so often, because it's tied to the faithfulness of our God in our lives. Now, I've asked you to turn on all of our campuses to Deuteronomy chapter 8 here in Melbourne and Vieira and East Orlando and down there in Sebastian. Remember, this is a chapter. It's a review chapter of what God taught the children of Israel during those 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And you'll see many times that God will use that word, remember, not to forget. We're on a journey just like them. Every single person in this room and any of our campuses, we're on a journey of following Jesus Christ. Now, like the children of Israel, we want to learn what he taught them. And we have a summary of that in chapter 8. We begin in verse 1. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today. That would be the Bible that, as we would know it. So that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord God promised on oath to your forefathers. Notice verse 2 begins with, remember. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert those 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Now he humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, on our journey, we need to understand that, yes, we have to eat. There are physical needs. But the most important thing that we learn on this journey called life is that the real you, the real me, is spiritual. And that's the thing that God wants to change because that's the part of us, body, soul, and spirit. That's the only part that's going to live forever. Now, God reminded them of two things he was doing during those 40 years. Please write this down this morning. We need to remember not to forget, number one, God will humble us on our journey, and God will test us. Now, the reason God wants to humble us, and the reason he was humbling them, they were in a land, and he had to provide them food and water. There was no Publix. There's no Walmart. There's no shopping place. There's no fruit market. They, they're in the wilderness. They can't provide anything. So it's very humbling because they had to depend totally on God. You see, a humble mindset begins to understand that just submitting to God and obeying God is going to give us everything we need. But he didn't just humble them. He allowed all kinds of tests, we'll see some of them today, to come into their life. Why? Because the first generation... Well, they weren't really strong in their faith. 
They didn't believe God. He wanted this generation to believe what God said. Our faith is like a muscle that has to be exercised to grow. God tests us to grow our faith so that we will enter a land of unlimited opportunities. Now, life in the wilderness would provide lots of tests for them. You and I have them all the time. Look at verse 5. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Now, just look at me for a moment. Know in your heart. If you go to Proverbs chapter 4, you don't need to do it today, we discover that Solomon says, out of our heart, everything happens. Now, the heart is not this boom, 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 boom. The heart is our body, soul, and spirit, our will, mind, and emotion. Our will, mind, and emotion. All the decisions in life are made right here in our hearts. So only God can know your heart. Only God really knows my heart. But it's all about the heart. In fact, Matthew, Jesus says, out of the heart comes all this evil stuff. But we want a soft heart. We want a receptive heart. We want a will and a mind and our emotion that are connected with God. So notice what he says again. He says, know then in your heart. Well, what do I need to know? What's the core thing that happens? That as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Now, in the New Testament, we're all called followers of Jesus Christ. In those days, that was the term, but there was another term as well. It meant to be a disciple. If you've never written a definition of that down, let me just show you what it's like. A disciple is a lifelong learner under, and there's the word we don't like, discipline. Discipline. It's the D word. You see, discipline, when you see that word, a disciple. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm a Christ follower. Yeah, you're a disciple. You're learning. Well, why do you put lifelong? Well, because it doesn't end till we leave. We're always learning. I've been a disciple of Jesus Christ for 62 years. I'm still learning. So are you. But notice how I learn under discipline. Now, when you think of the word discipline, how many like the word? No, you think discipline is a word called punishment. Most people, when they hear the word discipline, think of punishment. They think of it bad. But I want you to see that in the Bible how the God uses the word discipline. And I would encourage you to write this down because it's going to help you to understand when you see that word in the Scripture what it really means. It has this whole gamut. It starts with discipline means to teach. It means to instruct. It means to correct. It means to warn. And yes, it does mean to punish. Now, the Bible tells us that we're sons and daughters of God, and God is our heavenly Father. So our heavenly Father in our life is going to discipline us, and he's going to discipline us because my nature without God is rebellious. I don't want to do what God says. Now, any of you that have children, you understand that word rebellion. When you were a child, how many of you remember a belt connected with discipline? Anybody? Can, can you remember? A belt, yeah. How many remember a hairbrush connected? Any, any of you? A hairbrush. Come on. You, you remember that sucker. 
How many remember a little branch connected? Uh, the branch that you had to go pick out. Amen? And you look for the smallest, wimpiest thing you could find. Now, why did your parents discipline you? Because you needed it. Now, this is another whole topic, and I can't go there today. But I want to say this. Much of the trouble we have in the United States is from a lack of discipline in the home. Now, I'm not talking about beating. I'm not talking about harsh. Timeout's cool. But sometimes you have to add something to timeout. <laughs> and we have a generation of kids that think they're in control, my friend. They will learn one day they are not in control. And so that's another whole topic. Let me move on from that. Okay. I'll get a million emails, but it's good on the new website. Just send them in. <laughs> Praise God. Now, turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Now, keep your finger right where you're at. Keep your finger. Don't, don't forget. Put your finger right there. Don't forget to remember. Put your finger right in Deuteronomy 8 and turn to the book of Hebrews. You'll see on the overhead where it is, almost to the end of the Bible. Hebrews chapter 12. All of our campuses, those of you watching by the internet, the Roku, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. Now remember, in the Bible, we're children of God. We're sons and daughters of God. And our, our God is our heavenly Father. So Jesus understood this principle. He was under God, even though he was God. And he obeyed his Father. Now Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, let's look at it. Notice the word that appears already. And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. There's that D word again. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Look at verse 6. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he, uh-oh, punishes everyone he accepts as a son. So there's that gamut of teaching, instructing, correcting, warning, and punishment that comes from a heavenly father. Now, if that should bring to you, when you look at it as a whole, a little bit of comfort. Why? Because that means I have, I have a personal God who cares enough to be active in my life. Now, when you were a kid, and, and you got time out, you, got, you can't take the car out, you're grounded for two weeks, all kinds of things. We weren't happy about it then, especially as a teenager. And you'd go to school, and you'd say, you know, well, let's go, oh, I've been grounded, I can't take it, and dad's taking all the privileges away and all that stuff. And the other kids say, man, I'm glad I don't have a dad like you. There's no rules and regulations in my life. And we're like, wow, man, would I like that. But later we learned exactly the opposite. You see, if we had a mom and dad that cared enough to discipline us, there was a comfort in that. And we turned out way better than the guy and the gal that had no discipline in their life. So when I look at God... Who's going to teach me? He's going to correct me? Who's going to, well, sometimes even, notice, even punish me? It means I'm being watched, I'm being cared for, I'm being loved, and I'm being disciplined 
by an all-knowing God. Well, what is the bottom line to that kind of discipline that happens in my life? Look at verse 10. Our fathers, humanly speaking, moms, disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. No parent was perfect in their discipline. There's times that I've disciplined my kids in anger. So have you. Wrong. There's times I didn't and I should have. Unbalanced. But notice, but God disciplines us for our, circle that word in your Bible, for our good, that we may share in his holiness. So here's the next thing you want to write down on all of our campuses. Remember not to forget God's loving discipline It's good for us. Bottom line, it's good for us because biblical discipline is related to a goal. And the goal means growing up as a Christ follower and looking and being like God and doing life right. Now, while I'm going through discipline, and how does discipline come? All kinds of forms. Persecution, trials, sickness, Pain, sorrow, trouble, all kinds of things. Now, not all of those things come directly from God into my life. Sometimes I need God's discipline because I brought it on. I did something foolish. Other times, God just allows the enemy to bring persecution into our life. We all have that. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Well, how do I handle it? What do I think about it? It's good for me? Come on, Pastor Mark. Well, it is. Look at verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Absolutely. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been, circle the word, submitted and trained by it. So in other words, in this life, some stuff I bring on myself because I've done foolishly. Some stuff God allows the enemy to bring, Job. Some things God allows in our life. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. And so he does all of that, but God's ultimately responsible for any of these things that come in your life. And as they pass through his loving hands, he has a purpose. And that purpose is to make us and conform us to the image of Christ. But bottom line, as that happens in our life, you have to understand, as as we go through that, God permits them, and Romans 8 says, eventually, later on, it'll all end up for our good. But what do I do when it is painful? How do I react to it? Well, that was the word I ask you to circle called submit. It's a willing attitude that wants to cooperate. It's an understanding that I have to have a submittive action and attitude. You see, my sinful nature does not want to submit to God. I want to rebel, complain, pout, get angry, get even. But by submitting in action and attitude, I'm learning lessons that mature me. And I enjoy knowing that there's someone controlling all of those circumstances. See, nothing happens in the life of a Christ follower by accident. God is aware of everything that's going on. Now, even though discipline is painful, no doubt about it, 
And when we look at the end result, it's going to be good. So some of you are going through one of those difficult times right now. And one of the wise things to do, I try to do this. Sometimes I forget to do this until it goes down. One of the questions I ask is, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? Because you're allowing it. What are you trying to teach me? And just ask God that because he's a lovingly father. And it doesn't matter, whatever it is, God, what are you trying to teach me in this particular circumstance? So the children of Israel were used to that. And they were trying to be taught that you could trust God on our journey of life. You can trust him. I can trust him. Because overall, he's for me. Now, go back to Deuteronomy 8.6. If you put your finger where I told you, you be wise. You didn't forget to put your finger there. If you didn't put your finger there, you already missed the lesson today. Deuteronomy 8, 6. Now watch, look at the blessings we see in verse 6 through 10. During these 40 years, look what happened. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a land, that would have been the promised land, a land with streams and pools of water, with streams flowing in valleys and hill, a land with wheat and barley and vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce, and notice this, you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron, and you can dig copper out of the hills. Now, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. What is God trying to say to them? He wants to remind them of the next thing you want to write. Our God is a generous God. They're going to go into the promised land, and everything is on a plate for them. It's been presented for them. As they walk in, it's theirs. It's like a home with a complete makeover. Walk in, you didn't have anything to do with it, there it is. Of course, he's been caring for them during the whole 40 years. Think back over your life. What does your life look like? What does that list look like for you? God has blessed us all in a million ways. Could I hear an amen? Amen. You wouldn't trade it for anything today. And as we understand, when we follow Jesus, we've been learning these keys. You saw one of them. No lack, no fear. Quit making excuses. And we want to have as few regrets as possible. Why? Because it gives us unlimited opportunities. When they walk in the promised land, it's unlimited. The first generation, if they just obeyed God, would have walked in, but they didn't. God's saying to them, now wait a minute. As you go, understand when you walk in, when you cross that border, it's all me. I'm a generous God. I'm really for you. Now, I discipline you sometimes, but it's for you good. I'm for you. A disciple is a lifelong learner under discipline. Today we learn from Pastor Mark that in order to be a lifelong learner, we must remember not to forget. Memory is a great tool to have when we feel absent from the presence of God. Lacking faith or needing encouragement, we never want to forget all He's accomplished in our lives. As we remember what He has done, we are inspired to grow and serve Him more. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. What are some things, even as Christ followers, that we easily forget in our walk with Jesus? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will give listeners several keys to remember that may seem basic but are often forgotten. Life is all about God, people, and time, but often distractions such as prosperity and pursuits can cause us to forget about what's most important. We must remember that God is essential for life. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Ephesians. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurry.